Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Hi there. I thought I'd just jump on with a quick introduction before we get into this week's episode, which is how do we prepare for a remote appraisal, a subject that came about through popular demand. But the reason for this was I wanted to thank the three fantastic guests that I had for our episode 99, 100 and 101. If you didn't get a chance to listen to them, do have a listen. We had the fantastic, uh, we had the fantastic Perry Timms on talking all about energy, the energised workforce, and he was a real force of nature and fabulously energetic to listen to, followed by Dave Ulrich, the grandfather of modern HR, some may say, he's certainly not that old, but um, a really inspiring individual. And then last but not least, the brilliant Michelle Parry Slater, who has just launched the Learning and Development Handbook. So those are three really great guests for our 99th, 100th and 100th and first episode. And if you did miss them, perhaps go back and have a listen. I hope you'll enjoy them. Going forwards, we've got uh, appraisals going on. I've got other content, remote appraisals this week. We've done mentoring. Uh, I've got stuff on engagement coming up, people asking about engagement. And I've got a couple of other really great guests. One lady who's going to talk about uh, how we, the well-being in the workplace effectively, um, those aspects, things. And we've got real life HR coming up. I've also got a couple of quite exciting series in the offing, one with the HR Indies, who we're going to talk about HR essentials and potentially a charitable collaboration that I'm working on. So I'll tell you more about that in due course. Anyway, before we go into this week's episode, one thing I also wanted to highlight is that when I was recording the engagement strategies episode just recently, it's emerged that while lots of people are seeing that engagement or feel that engagement because we're able to work at home is improving, a number of things or the one aspect that seems to be lacking is opportunities to learn and grow. People don't feel they're getting the same amount of opportunity to learn and grow. So I wanted to take the opportunity, I hope you don't mind, for a very quick plug if you're not already aware. Over the last six months, I've been doing loads and loads of training. My background is a trainer. I've been absolutely loving it. We've been doing virtual management training courses, also change superhero training courses. And we've run a number of them in-house as well as open programs. We're still running those because they've been really popular. So if you are looking to enhance the skills of your line managers, go and take a look. The links are on the HR Uprising and on our Actus website. And you might find that one of these programs might be good for you, whether it's an open program or otherwise. We've tried to pitch them really affordably, but um, I'm really we're getting some great feedback and I'm actually really loving doing it. So do consider that if you think people in your organisation need to brush up on their management skills. And the other brand new offering, which is very exciting, is our Actus Academy. So if you're listening and um, let's say your business is too small to have its own learning management system, uh, what we've done is we've identified that there are lots of people who want to just upskill, they maybe won't go on a training course. So we've developed a little Actus Academy, which is 
I just, I suppose it's learning to go. There's no long-term subscription or anything like that, but there's five um, virtual management programs on there, e-learning programs and a series of resources and video learning on there. So if you want to just give people in your organisation, doesn't have to be managers, some accessible accessible learning content that they can do at their own time without any sort of long-term contracts, then the Actors Academy might be of interest for you as well. Anyway, enough plugging. Now on to this week's topic, which is how to prepare for remote appraisal, because we know it's coming around to appraisal time for many people. It's been a, a really abnormal year, so always good to have ideas as to how we can manage it. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast as ever. Hi there and welcome. It's Lucinda Carney of the HR Uprising podcast and welcome to this week's episode. And this episode has come about kind of through your feedback, actually, through popular request. As we've realised that we're working with a number of organisations who are really not quite sure what to do about appraisals. And I'm talking about this in terms of evaluating performance. I am going to do a future podcast on how, you know, what the future is for appraisals. I'm still gathering quite a lot of information on what works and what doesn't work in that area, uh, trying to get best practice and some ideas as to what we can put in instead of an end of year appraisal, because it isn't that clear. But what I wanted to look at on this particular episode was to make it as ever as practical and useful as possible for you to think about how we can evaluate performance fairly in an abnormal year. Let's face it, 12 months ago, most of us didn't, hadn't really taken any notice if we'd heard of coronavirus. And 12 months later, we've been working at home, many of us, for longer than we've been working in the office with a variety of challenges, whether it's been well-being, whether it's been homeschooling, uh, whether it's been remote working. So it's been a very unusual year. So what I wanted to do was just to think this through, and this particular podcast is going to be relevant for someone who's a line manager or an HR professional within an organisation who wants to support their people. Or of course, if you've got a team and you need to appraise those, or if you're preparing for your own um, evaluation, performance evaluation or appraisal, how can you fairly be assessed or demonstrate your value in an unusual year? So what I want to talk about in this session is what would we say a good remote appraisal, and for argument's sake, I'm going to use the term appraisal in this, how might we prepare effectively for that, whether it's for our own or whether we are a line manager? How do we gather evidence? And, you know, we talk about appraisal to be able to demonstrate your performance, we need to have behavioural evidence of performing. So how might we gather that remotely? And how can we encourage accountability and the importance of this, I suppose, for people helping them to perform, but helping them to um, demonstrate accountability in showing you what they've done to perform this year. So what I was thinking is that how is this year different from other years other than geography, as in we're located in a different way? And in many ways, I'd say actually 70% of it is the same, but we might not realise it because it doesn't, because of how it feels. So in any evaluation year, we would be able to gather five sources of evidence. And in this unusual year, I would say we have six. So what are those sources of evidence? Well, the first one is, of course, performance against defined objectives and milestones. And that usually is the main piece of evidence that you'd look at if you're regarding somebody's performance. 
Of course, if we don't have defined objects as milestones, that makes it a little bit more complicated. I'll run through them all in turn, then I'll come back and discuss each one in more detail because I know it's easier to absorb on a podcast that way. So the second one is also thinking about outputs or deliverables that we've seen evidence of, and that might be different to what was agreed as objectives. Third one is behaviours that we've seen or heard from people. Fourth one is the feedback from customers or colleagues that might be formal or informal. Fifth one is the individual's own opinion and their feedback as to how they think they've got on. And then the sixth one that I think is, I suppose it's a bit of a combination with number two in terms of the outputs, is the one that is unusual for this year, although you could argue it's something that might exist in other years, is mitigating circumstances. I guess in other years, it would be only a very occasional person that would have had some mitigating circumstances that you might take into account. Whereas in this year, everybody has (laughs) to some extent. So if we were to think about this, what might we say in terms of the sort of things we need to consider in relation to objectives? So if you're coming up to an appraisal for yourself or for others, and you are going to consider how someone has performed against their objectives, then we have to take a few things into account. And when I ran this as a poll, it was very interesting because actually, unfortunately, I found that a number of the challenges that we might have had with objectives were in place for people. And I'll share the statistics with you. The first one was no objectives were set in the first place. Now, that I've been, I've been banging on about that for years. Um, and whatever we feel about objectives, behavioural science is very clear that objectives and feedback is what drives performance. And when we carried this out on a, a webinar, I had about 150 people on it, almost 25% of people said actually it was really hard for them to evaluate performance because there weren't any objectives in the first place. And it went up to about 35% if you added in the second point, which is if there were objectives, they were poorly written or defined. So they weren't smart. They weren't really worth the paper it's written on. So that's a real shame, isn't it? And the reality is if those hadn't been established um, effectively or reviewed over the course of the year, so even if you had defined some objectives, let's say um, the previous year, you had some clear smart objectives that were you were working to, as soon as we moved to home working, it is possible that we took our eye off the ball. Other distractions arose. The manager might have taken their eye off the ball. We took our eye off the ball and forgot about what we were there to achieve. It is also possible, of course, that we were unable to achieve them. So let's say that your main customer had to furlough all their stuff, then that is going to affect your ability to um, drive revenue from them for argument's sake. But what's interesting about this is that only half, well, in fact, only one out of those four issues or challenges with objectives when we're evaluating performance, only one of them, circumstances genuinely outside the individual's control, only, only one of those is something that is related to the exceptional year we've had. The others were basically bad management, bad habits that we have as an organisation. We've just completed our survey of um, management preferences, the difference between remote management and in-house management, uh, sorry, yeah, in-office management. And 95% of people felt that it's different, slightly different or very different was uh, the figure that came through. But one quote I thought was really interesting is that they said that if you're a bad manager in a face-to-face environment, you're a terrible manager in a remote environment. And I think that's it. We might have got away 
with not setting objectives, being quite tactical when we were working face to face. You'd get away with telling people what to do, being a bit more directive or day-to-day transactional. But in these circumstances, it's not good enough. And that's not all down to the individual, is it? So hopefully you aren't in the position yourself there, but that's the first one to consider. Um, Were your objectives smart in the first place? Um, If they were, did you have legitimate distractions that took you out of the ball? Were you guided back on the ball by your boss or not? Um, Or were there genuine circumstances that stopped your ability to achieve? Now, the next area I like to look at is what I'm calling unplanned outputs. And this is an interesting one, I think, because this might be when you're coming to appraisal, your team member might come to you and say, ah, I didn't achieve my objectives, but do you know what I did do? And the real question is whether it was something that was huge value. So I think you've got to ask yourself if they are presenting you with things that they didn't achieve a defined objective in the documentation, but they achieved a whole number of other things. Your questions are, had we been organised and discussed this, would we consider that these should have qualified as new objectives? First question. So had I been on the ball, would would I have actually changed objectives to reflect one of these? Because they are necessary or of value to the business. So were they necessary? Um, Were they valuable of the business? Or the flip side of it is, were they at the expense of achieving defined objectives? Because occasionally people might have done things which are displacement activities. They may seem quite nice at the time, um, but they might have been done in, in place of actually doing the hard work. So by a displacement activity, I'm talking about where we might find ourselves tidying our desk when we really should be writing a presentation or doing something um, harder, if you like. So, you know, let's say somebody took it upon themselves to organise the team quiz or the team social every week, which was really valuable throughout the summer. But if they did that in place of, you know, if they were committing hours to it and not achieving their sales target, you've got to ask the question. But of course, really, we should have been asking the question then. So the flip of that, of course, is were they the sort of person that was doing that on top of everything else? Um, Maybe they had to homeschool in the day and they were working all hours because they were still doing their eight hours or whatever. You know, we know lots of people have struggled to get away from the desk. So the flip of it might be that they did unplanned outputs on top of their main job and been hugely overproductive. And so it could also be that this is an example of overperformance or them pivoting to meet the demand within your business. So we've got objectives, we've got unplanned outputs. Those are things we can take into account uh, in terms of our performance. Then thirdly, of course, is our behavioural evidence. So the how we've done things. And this is increasingly important for many organisations, whether they feel that they've got a competency framework or values that they want people to live. We know that it's not just what we do, it's how we do it that can make a massive difference. Yet I've heard lots of managers say, we're not getting that informal contact. I haven't got the face-to-face behaviours. How am I supposed to judge people's behaviours? And I think I would challenge that because admittedly, okay, you're not sitting next to somebody day in, day out. But even when we are, we can be really quite unobservant. I certainly can be of what it is that people are doing. It's more about a way of mind or a type of thinking. So, you know, Even when we're working remotely with people, we may not be seeing that incidental stuff, that chat in the hallway, but we are still seeing them interact. If you think of things that they might have seen or heard, we would be seeing how they interact with their team members, um, how they interact on your 
collaboration calls? Do they do they respond quickly if you use Skype or um, Slack or whatever your channels might be? So there's actually lots of ways in which you can see the way they communicate verbally, the way they do they turn their cameras on, how do they write emails, the tone of voice on calls, um, whether or not they seem to kind of offer things to go the extra mile. So there are definitely things that we see or hear. And the question is about being observant about those. So remember, it's just maybe we just got to work a little bit harder would be my case. But I think that's the case even in real life, <laughs> in real life, sorry, in, in um, office life, face-to-face -face life, we still saw behaviours and we didn't realise we were seeing them. People find it hard because we don't necessarily notice what it is we're looking for. The easiest key here is, is making sure that you do have some sort of framework or examples of what it is you're looking for. And of course, asking the individual how they think they're doing. There's also, with behavioural evidence, it doesn't have to be just us. You can also include specific feedback from colleagues. Um, and we've always got to be wary about that, but we can look for other people's comments on that to see whether or not, um, how they're finding people. But we do need to make sure that those are really specific. So by specific, I'm saying letting you know the, the situation, the specific behaviour, the activity and the impact of that, which is a, a specific way of giving feedback really is that, that we train people to do. So we've got our one, two, three here. And then of course, we've got our other information sources, which linking into this feed, feedback from others. So depending on how you operate as an organization, you might do this formally, you might have a 360 feedback process, you might contact people directly, you may have some sort of recognition scheme where you can go and look at the feedback that people have had from others. Um, or you might just have a quiet word with key stakeholders or survey them. So there's lots of ways we can get feedback from others. What we need to be careful about with that is to make sure that it's genuinely objective and it is specific. So if they, they say, oh, that person is great at or terrible at, that's a judgment. What we need to elicit from that feedback is what specific examples have we got of them being great at or what made it great? What exactly did they do or say that made something great or helpful. So we can give that granular feedback, which helps people to have that total clarity. Now, of course, the main area, and really I would probably start with this one, particularly in a working remote environment, is I would want to know from the individual how they think they got on, because let's face it, they've been with themselves 24-7. So all of these areas, I would want them to have a view on how they think they've performed against their objectives, um, how they think they've um, performed against behavioural um, uh, values or competencies, any additional outputs that they think, uh, their interactions with key stakeholders. So I would want them to present me with behavioural examples of what they think they've done in terms of their performance and teach them to be as, as productive and, um, sorry, as specific as possible with that. What we want to make sure is that they feel really supported to share that. And although I've I suppose I've been a bit tough in some of these things I'm saying. We've got to be objective. We can't just say, oh, don't worry, it was a COVID. Well, we can, but uh, it's not ideal to go, oh, you know, it's a COVID year, don't worry about X, Y, Z. To a certain extent, yes, we're all in the same in the same boat of, the, of that respect, but we do need to still be objective and ensure that people are being well-managed and to decide whether or not any mitigating circumstances that have been the case for them, whether that person requires additional recognition or whether in fact we need to go that isn't good enough so we should have that awareness as to 
how real mitigating circumstances are. But not to say that you're necessarily going to want to be ridiculously tough on the person. No one's had an easy year. But we need to be we need to be supportive and objective. And that means having a coaching style when we're talking to people about how they got on. So those are my six points that I think are worth thinking about if we are going to be objective. And one of the most important ones is at the very least, make sure we set up for success next year. The odds are we're going to be working remotely for a good few months yet. And whether or not we'll ever go back to the way we worked before is a good question. And even if we do, having clear objectives, milestones, smaller chunked objectives, which is one of the main things that people said they needed, and a good strong personal relationship with our people is really, really important in terms of helping to see us through this difficult time. The other things I was thinking about are really just how we can be practical in terms of setting up for success in the appraisal conversation. We need to make sure that we have got enough time to to do it properly. So that includes us preparing. So those points that I've just run through, having that time to think, ideally getting the individual, if it's our staff member, to prepare in advance and maybe let us have a look at it so you get a sense of where they think they are and what their mindset is. We need to choose an appropriate environment. And that, I think, is means something entirely different from what it would have meant if I'd asked you a year ago. So, you know, a year ago, it might have been book a room or go somewhere that's you know, secluded. Now, I think it's actually about working with them to find out when they are going to feel in the right headspace. You know, if they're in a shared flat or they've got kids at home, and they're working on the kitchen table overseeing their Zoom calls, their Google Classroom, then that's entirely different from um, from the way it was before. And, and that is out of their control. So we have to maybe think about the right time of day um, and the way in which we are going to interact um, with them in terms of the, the collaboration. Always good for us to be a coach in this circumstance. So asking questions and listening, even though we've done some pre-thinking, so even though we might say, well, you know, I noticed that you achieved X, Y, and Z, you know, what made you think that? Or how did you feel? What did you think you achieved? So nice open questions, find out how they feel. But definitely let's be honest, constructive and upbeat. We need to be ready to also recognise how well they've done, give future direction and clarity and take our form of responsibility where needed Um, for any part we might have played because we too will have been having our own challenges as line managers. It is about sharing the responsibility though with them. It is the individual's responsibility in many ways for their appraisal. So they should do the work for this as you would for your own appraisal. But my order say is do spend some time thinking in advance of those six information sources that I've run through earlier and allowing yourself some good quality preparation thinking time where you can capture specific examples of behaviours. And I'm very briefly going to run through a little model that we've been using, which I know with this audience, most of you will have come across. So I think you'll have heard of the STAR model, um, often used in recruitment. We've been using this for specific feedback for people. So if I was talking about uh, giving specific feedback around, let's say, a competency or an action or an activity that's relevant to an objective. The star, the S stands for situation and or setting the scene. So they know when it was that this um, was observed or this behaviour or when they delivered that piece of work, which is seen as their um, output that I'm evaluating. The T is the task or activity, and it needs to be relevant to the objective or competency we're evaluating. 
the action is specifically what they said or did, what we saw them do or say. And the R is the result or the impact. And of course, then you can talk about the next steps as to where we go from there. So having that star model is a really nice way that you can prepare to have a really well thought through good quality appraisal. And if you've got a massive team, even if you can just prepare three, three or maybe four examples, they don't all have to be positive, of the star for your the worst person you're working with, they are going to know that you've invested in them and it's going to come over as much better quality than saying things like, oh, you did really well, that was great, oh, never mind. So we have some really good quality specific feedback. So if there was a specific um, value or objective that you saw them demonstrate effectively, then we could give them that. And equally, if they did it less well, we could we could talk about that too. Here's a couple of examples. I'm not, they're not brilliant, but I always think it's easier if I can try and give something which is a worked example. So if I was looking at a communication uh, competency, we might set the scene by saying, you know, hi, Rachel, let's focus on our competency of communication. Then the task or activity, I would say, as you know, your role is to answer team and customer inquiries over the telephone. Sounds a bit patronising, it doesn't like this. You'd say it much more naturally like this. I'm obviously spelling it out as we go. Then the A is the action, and so I'm going to be specific. So I noticed that your intonation on calls is really varied. You use lots of inflection in your voice and you have very clear diction. And I particularly like the way you adapted your tone and softened it for the customer that sounded really quite quiet and unsure. So that was what they did, and it was quite specific about the way their voice sounded. The result or the impact, this made you come over as clear, positive and interested. So this is where I'm saying I'm judging there, but it's the impact. That's then I can own that impact. And I believe it will have really benefited the customer's experience. Now, it would have been even better if I could say, and the customer sent an email of thanks to say, what a great job you've done. What's the next steps? It's always good to finish on that. So I was saying, carry on doing that, carry on delivering that great customer service um, would be the way in which I would close it. So we don't just leave it hanging and say, you know, keep on doing more of that. So that's a really nice, specific bit of recognition or praise. And it shows that you've thought about it. And it means that because we've been so specific, the individual is better able to repeat the behaviour. But also they know that you valued them. You've put the effort into, into coming up with that for them. Then let's look at communication from a developmental point of view. So Rachel, let's focus on our competency of communication. As you know, your role is to answer team and customer inquiries over the telephone, so that's the same thing. I noticed the action. I noticed that on the last few team calls, you weren't using the company headset that we provided you with. Now it's interesting, this has came out from real inspiration from one of the courses we've been running with one of the training sessions. It was a genuine issue that someone was having with their team member. And I actually felt that this is something they needed some clear direction feedback against. So they've they've been provided with a company headset, the person's choosing not to use it. So the result or impact, this made you really hard to hear because you were just using the computer microphone. And I'm concerned that this is going to negatively affect customer experience. So that's my view of the concern. I'm also saying how I found it hard to hear. And then the next steps on this one would be one of two options, maybe both. The first one would be to explore. So that would make it a stair model rather than just a star model. Um, and I would say something like, can I understand why? You know, they might say that it's giving them a headache, it's too tight or that it's broken. Or they just go, oh, I can't be bothered. In which case I would say, well, actually, we've got you this as company equipment. It's important that you use this equipment from now on. It is your 
uh, it's part of, you know, it is a performance um, requirement that we make sure that we give the best customer experience. And that includes making sure that the sound quality is as good as possible. So it would be a leading into a line in the sand conversation if it was just a choice that people were demonstrating that they didn't want to do it. So those are just a couple of examples of which if you are going to do that prep, even if you've got a big team and or if you're going to do it for yourself, you can go through this star or stair model, which just brings out exactly what it is you've done. It doesn't take a huge amount of time, but it does take some quality thought. And if we do that, we have two or three great examples. That's going to help our um, team members have clarity about what they're doing really well, what they need to change, and it is going to make them feel valued. So that's it. Those are my thoughts on what we can do to have an effective performance evaluation or appraisal conversation in an unusual year. Um, there are some downloads you can get from the HR Uprising um, webpage. I've got a little video version of this and some slides. So do feel free, you can go and um, download that if you go to the um, hruprising.com page. That's where we always put the links relative to a specific episode. So thank you for tuning in and uh, do tune in next week. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising, proudly brought to you by Actor Software, the joined up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 